You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck. Podcast dedicated to Montreal football. I am Tim Capper. You can find me on Twitter at Repact. That's R E P P A C T. And I'm Cliffy D. You can also find me on Twitter, but it's at Cliffy D. And this episode of the Alouette's Flight Deck is presented by our good friends over at SportBuff, where right now you can save 10% off your entire order by using the promo code FlightDeck-10. Head on over to www.sportbuffshop.com for all your sport needs. And also, just want to remind everybody that we are on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Alouette's FL Deck, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Do a search specifically on YouTube for, uh, for the Alouette's Flight Deck and get us to 100 people. We're almost there. Cliff and I really want, you know, Cliff and I, Cliff's been looking at the jacket really closely, even though he has one currently. He's really been looking at the, at the brand new jacket really, really strange. I want to make sure he doesn't want to get a hold of it. We want to give it to somebody else, not Cliff, because Cliff has one. So, Cliff, I'm sorry. No, you can't have it. Well, no. Well, well that's it. I, I'm, I'm disqualified from the contest, folks. So, <laughs> you know, we, we can't rig this. Like, we, this is here for you to get, we're giving it away for crying out loud. Exactly. Just get us over the century mark for YouTube subscribers. Smash that subscribe button, please. That's right. And make sure you head over to our, uh, our merch store to, uh, check out all of our 2022, uh, merchandise line, teespring.com slash stores slash owls flight deck. So Cliff, uh, uh, welcome. Uh, I am coming to you from the, uh, beautiful town, uh, it is Montreal, Blanc, Quebec, but it's just outside, lo- looking outside uh, at the lovely Lac Wimé. Uh, you always got to, you know what? Vacation be damned. You always got to do a show whenever you got to do a show, right? So It's got to be done. Listen, we, I, I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago and still did the show, so mm-hmm. I expected nothing less from you. And it's awesome. isn't it awesome being able to do a podcast just about anywhere all you really need is a microphone and an internet connection exactly exactly and it's, it's not that i could really do the show outside on the porch because being as close as we are i mean we're literally overlooking lack we may that uh, many people who many people may not know is that uh, sound actually carries very very well on water so i would be talking to you know doing the show to everybody but they would just be hearing me so <laughs> Don't want to piss off everybody here in the, you know, here here at the uh, at the hotel, um, but uh, or the lodge rather lodge. It's not a hotel; it is actually a lodge. Oh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, excuse me. Yeah. So, um, so I sit here. Uh, how's bragging camp going? <laughs> yeah, bragging camp. Well, it's oh, hey, you got you got more on me this week, anyways, buddy. <laughs> you really do, and we'll talk about that very shortly, obviously. But it's funny looking at this, seeing the beauty that this. Uh, you know, just went into the mountains, the water, and everything. It really brings me down that I have to talk about that joke of a of a loss this week versus Edmonton. <laughs> yep, it's not going to be easy, folks. But we're going to try and break it down, 
try to look for some positives, try to just wrap our heads around how the Alouettes were able to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. There's something. I don't know what to call it. I mean, you know, if everybody has been following me on social media, they'll know, I mean, that, that the Alouettes 193 yards, but by the way, it has nothing to do with, with, uh, you know, nothing to do with the former coaching staff at all. Um, but you know, and, uh, in a discipline, right, right. Isn't that right, Cliff? Um, you know, 193 yards, third tied for third worst in Alouette's history. And you know what's funny, Cliff? Is it the last time they had 193 yards? It was versus Edmonton. <laughs> but but here's the kicker: is that of the top three before this game, of those three games, even though they had set team records, they won those games <laughs> and it looked like they were going to win this one too yeah but but then the yards kept piling on and piling on and piling on so if everybody doesn't know already i mean the owls lost 32 31 to the eskimos depends on what you read online and what you saw it's, certain people were you know it was this person's fault it was just it was a team playing it was a player thing I mean, overall, Cliff, I mean, <laughs> this game, this was a game the Alouettes should have won. I mean, this is a, a game where the Alouettes blew a 19-point lead, and it was the biggest lead, uh, their biggest lead that they have lost since the Owls were up 24 nothing versus Calgary oh, way back when and lost that game. That was in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh what what can we say about this game? It's over. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Move over. <laughs> if you're looking for positives, the game is no longer being played. There's no way the Alouettes could lose even more. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gina Lewis said it perfectly because we had, you know, you and I were able to have access to the to the field and see some of the players and the and the 20th anniversary team stuff, which we'll, which we'll talk about too because there are there are some positives actually to this to this podcast. Um, but Gina Lewis actually saying in in passing when we saw him is like, you know, because man, I hate losing. We've got to do something to win, and I agree with him. Because this game was in hand, but when you have one player who basically had, uh, what was it, I think it was 100, I I think they said it was 103 yards of DPI that led to 14-0 run in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. It was uh, not the best game for Wesley Sutton, who is a very good football player Mm -hmm. and has done very well for himself since coming to Montreal. Uh, But last Thursday, he just had his lunch eaten for him many times over. Mm -hmm. I I mean, like just to the point where we're like, do you even football, bro? Like, (laughs) like some of the the penalty play, do you you football? (laughs) Like some of the penalties were just egregious to the point. Like the, I think it was the second DPI it looked like he was playing the ball because the first one he didn't, the one that pretty much led to an Edmonton touchdown. Yeah. Like in the end zone. Was that the one that was challenged? No, that was, but that's coming up. Like the first one that his first DPI in the end zone, which basically put the ball on the one yard line and let, uh, Kyle Loxley basically plunge forward to get a touchdown. I mean, Sutton didn't even come close to addressing the ball. Like he was all over the defender or all over the receiver. Like, uh, 
like stink on a skunk. I mean, he was like, <laughs> and it made no attempt at all to address the ball. Like if you just turn your head ever so slightly, you can sort of sell it. That, hey, I played the ball. Like, no, that didn't. It was just, it was blatant pass interference. Like, okay. You know, it happens. The second one though, the second DPI though, uh, it was right in front of us actually. He actually did play the ball. Yeah. He actually turned his body and actually played the ball. So we're sitting there going, oh, okay, uh, I don't see how you call that DPI. But And I actually had a few people on Twitter tell me this afterwards because I tweeted it out like, okay, I don't see how that's a DPI. And like, wait till you see the replay. You'll, you'll understand. And sure enough, when I did catch, oh, okay, he had himself a handful of collar. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I mean – it was it was pretty egregious too, as far as penalties go. I mean, like, and the fact that Machocha threw the challenge flag. Uh, I mean, was, it, was there nobody upstairs, like, for the Alouettes that could say, yeah, no, 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 don't, 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 don't do it, don't it, do it? It because... may be camera angle because if you remember correctly, you know, Danny Mack did not throw the challenge flag right away. I think it was right no. before they're about to snap the ball that he threw it. Uh, right, and. Even then, like, uh, like I, anyways. Yeah. So, yeah. And that, in turn, was, yeah, just a, a wasted challenge, unfortunately. Yes. I mean, I'm sure at the time it seemed like a good idea, like, okay, challenge it. But then, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? So, I mean, as soon as you see on TV, like, what we should have seen right off the bat, then it's like, okay, yeah, that's pass interference, too. And, wow, like, Kenny Lawler just... He he knows how to bring out the worst in a player. He just <laughs> and he Elala had a very good game. I was, wasn't sure what his stats were um, after the game itself because I, I hadn't checked the the official stats and I thought he only you know I thought he would he hadn't been done that well. But I was wrong. I mean, but I'm just looking at the things here. By the way, Cliff Sutton PI twenty yards. Sutton PI thirty eight yards. Sutton PI sorry uh, PI fifty yards. Yeah. And that last one set up the go-ahead touchdown. Yeah, it was just a comedy of errors as far as uh, Wesley Sutton goes. And it's it's unfortunate because, he, as I said, he really has been having himself a decent season so far. And pretty much his entire time since he's been to Montreal, like he came out, he, he came up through the ranks last year and you know proved that he belonged on the team this year and has been playing some pretty decent football defensively. Mm-hmm. But this game just—it it was not his game, to put it mildly. Like I—I I fully expect he'll come back out stronger and he'll be better for the experience. But man, it was just—it was brutal for for Sutton to go through. And yeah, yeah. And, and, it, it just happens. It and, just happens. And, true, and I mean, you know, the some things that, that had to be had to be changed with the addition of AC making the you know the play calls. They did well. I think they were four or five, if I'm not mistaken, within the within the red zone. Um, definitely improved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen again. Dominique Davis also scoring two of those touchdowns. Uh, like goal line plunges, but still, still, yeah. yeah. Like as as we've said before, you can't go all the way into the red zone and just walk away with three. You need to score touchdowns. And I give the Alouettes credit; they were able to find the end zone several times. Problem is, so did Edmonton. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. I mean, but. You know, there were other things that were, the, you know, besides the collapse of the defense and, and just ineptness in it when it came to overall 
you know, pedal, penalties and whatnot. I mean, you know, Harris did have, you know, Trevor Harris did have a, a, a game, but he had two interceptions, which led to points, which could have helped the Alouettes win the game. Um, both interceptions were throws that he had no business making whatsoever. Especially the one near the end of the first half. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was just like, if you didn't know better, you'd swear Trevor was throwing it right to the defender. It, which I think, didn't he? Literally? Yeah. Like, I think it was, that was, I mean, literally it was right to him. Like it, it wasn't a matter of the receiver jumping the route. I, I almost think like even, or, or the, it, it, the seventh story defender jumping the route. I really think it was a matter of, oh, oh this is coming to me. Okay, fine. And just mm-hmm. take it and go off. And then, yeah, at, at least Trevor made the tackle to stop the touchdown. That's but. true. I mean, you know, Trevor's thing, his INT was, was similar to the one that DeCroix got earlier, which was gorgeous, by the way. I mean, we were looking for pluses here. Yeah, and DeCroix nearly scored his, his second pick six of the season. I know. And it would have also been his second at-home pick six. That's true, too. That's true, too. Um, Trevor Harris is 19-26, to 26, uh, 241 yards, two picks. Two intercept, uh, two touchdowns. Uh, you know, seventy three percent percentage. You know, pretty good. Uh, Walter Fletcher um, starting uh, in place of Jeshwin Antwi just this week because uh, we know the Jeshwin's going to be back as the starter. But he did well. You know, seven carries for sixty four yards and nine point one average. Cliff, you can't. You, that's not bad at all. But I think overall, too, they only had fourteen rushes. So right. let's not forget uh, Fletcher also had that really nice run mm-hmm. in the first first quarter. That's true. Which ultimately set up a field goal because once again you get in the red zone and you walk away of three. But that was the only one. The rest of the game they scored. But that's that's the plus. There is a it, something has changed. Something this is has true. Changed. No, no. I, I, like I said, give credit where credits due. They were able to find the end zone more. It's just like I said, it, it would, and Fletch came so close to actually scoring the tutty no, as well. No kidding. Okay. Nice, some nice blocking by Gino, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, just, yeah, it was almost Fletch, almost, almost. <laughs> uh, Gino Lewis had the six receptions on nine targets. He led the team with seventy-eight yards and a TD. His uh, first of the year. Mm, that's true. That is very true. Uh, Reggie White Jr. had fifty-six yards and four catches. Uh, 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 KJG had uh, fifty-one yards on on two catches. Herdy uh, Her- uh, Maya had one. Uh, sorry, three catches, 20 yards. Uh, Jake Winicky had only a single catch, 10 yards. Uh, who am I forgetting here? Fletcher himself had a single uh, catch. Ty- Tyson Philpott scoring his first CFL yep. touchdown. Which is a, yeah, it was, a nice, it was a nice play, too. It just seemed to be wide open. So, so was Gino, too, on one of it. Oh. He, he was touchdown. on an island. He was, like, and it was funny because, uh, once again, like one of my biggest criticisms of Trevor Harris is he holds onto the ball way too long. And there was a couple times where I really thought he was going to get sacked, and then he just sort of wiggled out of it mm-hmm. and just threw up a prayer. And sure enough, Gino is just standing there, literally surrounded by nobody in the end zone, and just ball went right to him. So yeah, hey, listen, I mean, the, like I said, credit where credits due. I mean, Gino was in the right place at the right time, and somehow, some way, Trevor Harris was able to hold on to the ball just long enough to get rid of it and score the touchdown. So. I guess, you know, there's some progress. It's, it seemed to be, though, that Taylor Cornelius seemed to be a little bit more mobile, which I, I was like, how did you get out of those tackles? 
tackles. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's one sequence where I think there was five Alois defenders that tried to wrap him up and just couldn't. Like, you'd think he was covered in Crisco for crying mm-hmm. out loud. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's... And he does, he does not strike me as a mobile quarterback, Taylor Cornelius. No, but, and that, that, that's he, one of the, was, yeah, that's one of the slights that a lot of people gave this week. Yeah, he, but he was juking and jiving on that that particular s- series. I mean, whew, man, mm. he he did the thing. I mean, and, and, I tell you what, folks, like a quarterback in Edmonton wearing number fifteen, that's some pressure right there. But I guess he <laughs> he, he feels he's up to it. He's up to the challenge. So. I mean, if you're going to wear number 15, you better play like the former number 15 quarterback for the uh, the Edmonton football franchise. Exactly. I mean, you know, leading receiver for Edmonton was Kenny Lawler. You know, he seven receptions on 92 yards. But if you add that, if you add that 108 yards for DPI, that's 200 yards. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. So maybe that should be a new stat, by the way. I'm also disappointed that Chandler Worthy did not get another house call. Mm-hmm. But he had a couple of nice runs. He had a couple of nice returns. So. Yeah, but, well, then you, I think three of them were also brought back by penalties. There's which, that, which, which, which they had been, you know, special teams have been doing well this year. They had been by doing well when, when it came to penalties. But pff, come on. It's like if anything could have happened this week, it did. Yeah, there, it was just glaring discipline. And naturally, the Alouettes, Danny Machocha, and Noel Thorpe were dragged mm. big time on social media for the absolute lack of discipline. Yeah, including myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, listen, how, and how do you defend it? You can't. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, 193 penalty yards is inexcusable. I mean, that, yeah. that's just... Yeah, and I, I know a lot of them were unfortunately Wesley Sutton, and uh, like he gave huge yardage as a result. But I mean, no matter what, I mean that's still that's still hard to ignore, especially too when you claim the reason that you get rid of Kahari Jones and Baron Miles was because discipline was such an issue with this team. Yeah. And I know it, you're not going to fix everything in one game, so in that sense, you kind of want to give. Matocha and Thorpe Mulligan for that. But at the same time, you have to know that people are going to come at you for it. And sure enough, the, the CFL Twitterverse, <laughs> they, they, they let him have it. They, they said, like, oh, yeah, this is why you got rid of Kari. Yeah, yeah, discipline was really a problem, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It was just relentless. And I'm sorry. There's, there's just – you can't defend any of it. I mean – you know, like you could say, like, well, it's their first game back, and you know, they just got started, blah blah blah. But I mean, these are guys who have coached in the league before. I mean, especially True. Noel Thorpe, like he's been defensive coordinator for a long time for a, few, a couple different teams now. I mean, you know, it's it, it, it's tough. I mean, it I, is. I, it, I, it I, is. I really want to see both sides of the coin here, but I mean, a lot of it is undisputable, and numbers don't lie. I mean, 193 yards is. It's not chump change. No, and it's very because you know if everybody saw last week, I talked about you know when it came to the Alouettes and you know how many times they've changed in season and whatnot. And another stack, uh, I was able to to research, which is very frustrating to me in itself, Cliff. Um, you know the the uh, GM head coach position, the last three men to hold that and be coaches for the Alouettes. Uh, currently, they're on a 12-game losing streak. 
so what 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 does that say about making you know a GM, a GM about double dip about double dipping? Yeah, I mean, I want it to be broken. I mean, yes, it goes back to pop, Cavishery, uh, and now Danny Mac, but still, um, you know, hopefully that broke that streak will finally be broken this week. Well, we can only hope. I mean, I think. I really want to believe that the Elwes learned a lot from this. I really want to believe that they, you know, when they look back on the tape, they've, I'm, I'm sure there, there was a lot of heads being hung in shame because yeah. it was, it was, it was unforgivable. Quite frankly, it really, it really was like you, you want to support this team. You want to make, you know, let them know like, Hey, listen, you know, things happen. It's all good. Don't worry about it. But I mean, it's tough. It's the, I mean, like some of this stuff is just like grade school stuff, as far as I'm concerned. Like, mm-hmm. as I said, like Sutton's penalties were just inexcusable. Like for a player of his caliber to create to to commit such you know blatant penalties is like what the hell, dude? Like, yeah, like you're better than that. I know you are. Yeah. And coaching, same same idea. It's like you realize, you know, you you knew everybody was going to be watching you to see if you were going to. You know whether you'd succeed or fail, and I won't say. I mean, fails maybe a harsh word to use, but at the same time, you you walked like you had a nineteen point lead and you squandered it. You let this team back in more times than acceptable. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it's like there's there's really no way to sugarcoat it. I mean, they blew it. They blew this game. This was very much a winnable game. Just like Calgary was, believe it or not, a very winnable game. Toronto was a very winnable game. This game against Edmonton was very winnable. Uh, quite frankly, the Alouettes should be 4-1. Yeah. A couple more bounces here and there, and this team is a 4-1 team. And essentially the class of the East, which, again, is not is coming kind of damning with faint praise, but, I mean, like this this oh. team should should not be 1-4. Like, you are what your record says you are, but at the same time, like, I know this team definitely shouldn't be one and four and they know that they shouldn't be one and four there there's a lot of things that need to get cleaned up and i sincerely hope it starts this week as far as really getting their act together and showing that they can take a lead and build on it and keep it because that really right now is a uh, now it's a huge it's become a huge question mark is if even if the alouettes are winning when does the other shoe drop? When are they going to blow it? Because look what happened against Edmonton, which was, again, one of the weaker teams in the West. I mean, all the, the teams in the West right now are just next level. But, I mean, if the Edmonton Elks were in the East, they'd be leading by a country mile. I know. I know. And I think it's what's frustrating, too, is that, again, once again, the Alouettes have a chance to potentially take first place and be in first place by themselves or at least be in first place and they can't take advantage of it. It's just been a, the crux of, you know, it's just been something that they have not been able to do over these past wow five plus years where they can't take advantage of these games. I, I think the, the yellow, biggest and most dangerous opponent is the Montreal Alouettes. Mm-hmm. That's what this, these four losses have taught me, if nothing else is that this team is so good at beating the Montreal Alouettes. The Montreal Alouettes are very good at beating the Montreal Alouettes. That's got to change. That's got to stop. It's bad enough you're playing other teams 
the fact that you're playing yourselves and losing to yourselves is, I don't know if that's something that can easily be fixed with a coaching change. I don't know if that's something that can be changed with a quarterback. I don't know if that's something that can be fixed, you know, any number of ways, but it's something that needs to be fixed. It's, it's that attitude. It's that thought process, that mindset that absolutely positively has to change. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And by the way, Here's the fourth quarter stat that people need to that people need to remember the most here, Cliff. Time of possession. Four minutes, two seconds. That's a lot of two and outs. Yes. That's a lot of drives that just are stuck in the mud. Mm-hmm. That's just that's a collapse. I'm sorry. That's that's truly a collapse. Like that's watching the other team stomp a mud hole in you and walk it dry and doing absolutely nothing in return. Yeah. And that's really what it was. And it was just little things here and there. Like, okay, they scored that first touchdown and you know, like, okay, okay. They're, you know, they're, they're signs of life, signs of life. Second touchdown. Okay. Now we got a game. And then the third touchdown is like, Oh God, they completed the comeback exactly. and just go up by one. And that was the thing up by one. Like, okay, no worries. We'll just march down and kick a field goal. Nope. Nope, couldn't even do that. No. Like, can, can you think no. of what it would have been like if the Alouettes had actually, in, instead of uh, Red White Jr. fumbling the ball after the uh, gorgeous onside kick, if we had been able to get some points out of that? Oh, my goodness. That would have been amazing. And just the fact that you caught everybody napping. Like, I love the gamesmanship of it. I, I've seen some people online saying that was the slap in the face that woke the Elks up and, and made them... You know, made the Alouettes pay for, you know, um, uh, you know, kind of a, I won't say necessarily a dick move, but I mean, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it, call it necessarily a dick move. No, it's just, you, you, know what, you know what gave the the Elks the, 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 the easily the, the pump up? It would have been the fumble on the next play. That was it. <laughs> you know? 100%. Because this is football. You, you know what I've, I've seen some, <laughs> I've seen some very eye-opening stuff in my years when it comes to football. I mean, oh, I, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen a kick, a onside kick attempted in overtime during a playoff game. I'm like, what <laughs> are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, I mean, the Alouettes, the Alouettes, I mean, second convert, second down conversions were, which to me is a huge stat. The Alice did well. They were at 53%. I mean, they were 9 of 17. There's just one problem with that, Cliff. Edmonton was 13 of 22 for 59%. And we didn't get a sack. Our first sack, we, first time this year, we've not gotten a sack. No, because, again, Taylor Cornelius was slippery as heck. I mean, he just couldn't nail the guy down. Yeah. I mean, even with the two-point two point convert that the Elks didn't get, with a missed extra point on the first touchdown, we still lose. And sure, oh. sure, it could easily have been that that field goal that Edmonton kicked at the end of the half after the uh, after the after the Harris interception. Well, yeah, I mean that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> like I'm still speechless thinking about it, just because it's one thing to get intercepted. Like you make the right play, and somehow the defender just happens to read you just a little bit better. This was blatant. Like, like I said, if you didn't know better, Trevor Harris thought he was on the Elks and was, you know, throwing to a receiver. Yeah. In 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 green and gold, 
but no, it was a defender. I'm sorry to say it was a defender who damn near scored a friggin' touchdown. Oh, and then the other interception that he th- threw completely like, well, I mean, one could argue that Gino kind of ran past the ball and it just ended up in the hands of Ed Ganey. But that too was just a throw that perhaps should not have been made. The first interception definitely shouldn't have happened. No. But that second one, that was just backbreaking. And I promise you, like, you know, a lot of people were, you know, giving Vernon Adams the business because he was making errant throws and that had that gunslinger mentality, you know, no risk it, no biscuit kind of thing. But I mean, Trevor makes throws like that, gets picked off and crickets. Mm. I mean, where's, where's the, you know, but you know, where's, where's the, the scorn or the disdain for such a, you know, why isn't he on, you know, on the hot seat or on a short leash or anything like that? I I don't know, dude. By the way, speaking of VA, what did you think of him actually of him uh, uh, of him uh, being the holder on kicks? I guess I got to justify washing his uniform somehow. I mean, jeez. <laughs> I mean that how, how insulting. I, I mean this this franchise just finds new and exciting ways to slap him in the face for what I don't know. I wonder what horrible thing he did other than show signs of brilliance in 2019 like what what terrible things has vernon adams done in his career as a montreal alouette to warrant this like demotion if you will Hmm. like like he's not like he's not even the third down guy like he's not even the short yardage quarterback i mean like it's which again would also be insulting because you're paying this guy a half a million dollars for little plunges but i mean i think the more insulting is you're paying this guy to hold the ball for David Cote. I, I mean, you really, you really don't have any other use for him. I, I you no. know, you can use two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. I right? know. I still want to see that. Well, I'm, I'm sure Vernon would too, if only to be able to say, Hey, at least I threw the <laughs> ball some, at somebody. <laughs> but to be fair, you know, yes, I would love to have seen them. I mean, it makes you wonder, did the Alouettes have something, in the repertoire that VA was going to do, whether it like I said, a field goal attempt or an extra point attempt, I don't know. It's something that we'll never know. But, and you talk about, you know, being the third down back, you know, remember, th- this is a, a guy who set the record uh, for quarterbacks for the Alouettes to just, just back in 2019. So, he, he's done it before, but obviously the thing that was over the head of everybody, which we have to talk about, is that he, a lot of rumors, you know, because of what's happening in Ottawa, the quarterbacks in Ottawa and in Edmonton, uh, the leaked or do I do put it in air quotes, Cliff? I don't know what to do with this here. You know, the infamous agenda that was put out on social media with the you know the tête-à-tête picture between. Uh, Stern, Gary Stern, and uh, uh, Victor Quay. Um, you know, maybe they. I I don't know, dude, because you know the, that infamous thing. You know, Vernon Adams tree that showed up there. I mean, it's you know as of we're recording, you know, still nothing has occurred. He's still going to be the number two going into the game in Ottawa. Um, what what was your what was your thought about this? I mean, I can understand why they didn't want to put him in harm's way if he was going to be traded if he was going to be traded 
what were your, what were your well, thoughts? It's, it's kind of a, a funny thing. It's kind of a funny thing because if you wanted to trade him, would you not want to showcase him? Would you not want to try and get more out of a potential suitor? Because right now, like, I mean, you take a look at the fact that Nick Arbuckle was traded for a fourth round pick. I mean, Nick Arbuckle back in 2019 did an amazing job in in relief for Bo Levi Mitchell and pretty much was able to parlay that into free agency to become, <laughs> believe it or not, the Free, uh, the he was actually traded to the Ottawa Red Blacks. Like the, his rights were traded to the Ottawa Red Blacks, and never played for them because he ended up being traded to Toronto. Or no, he ended up being released and signed with Toronto, then ended up in Edmonton, only to end, end up back in Ottawa. So like, this is his uh, technically his second go around with the Red Blacks, but the the Red Blacks were able to get him for a song practically. Mm-hmm. Now, I I personally think if you're going to trade for Fern Adams. It's still going to cost you a pretty penny. It should still cost a pretty penny because we know what Vernon Adams can do. Yeah, none of this Vernon Ricky, Ricky is, Ray trade bullshit. Well, and again, I, I, I really, I have to hope and believe that, you know, Danny Machocha, like even though his tra- his trade track record right now is, unless he's trading for like the first overall pick in the draft, I mean, like his trade status right now is like his his penchant for for dealing trades for actual football players is spotty at best right now i would think vernon adams is worth a considerable amount in a trade but if you don't play him like what what do you expect to get for the guy like are you that desperate to get rid of him like like that's that's pretty much what the the red blacks had to pay for for nick arbuckle mm-hmm whether or not that's going to pay off, only time's going to tell. But they made the move. They made the move to get the quarterback that a lot of people thought, you know, might be the Montreal would be making to try and get rid of Adams if that was their their plan. If they really wanted to go all in on Trevor Harris and say see it to to big play VA, that would be one way to do it. But it, it really felt like it was just a, nothing but a formality at this point that he'd be tr- that Vernon Adams would be traded to the Elks. And I'm sitting there going like, well. It could happen, yes, but what are we getting back? Like that would be my my number one question. Like to me, I, I personally, and you can call me biased or a homer or whatever if you want, but I would say Vernon Adams is worth three first round picks at the very least. And before you laugh, let's not forget the Alouettes traded for Johnny Manziel and gave up two first round picks. Yeah. And what the hell did Johnny Manziel do for anybody in the CFL? Nothing for no one. I'm sorry, but I, I think. Just based on that alone, VA is worth at least three first-round picks. Mm-hmm. And is a team going to be dumb enough or desperate enough to make that move? Highly unlikely. But to me, that would be the starting point. If I'm Danny Machocha, I'm saying, oh, you want VA? Okay, sure. Here's the starting price. And that's it. Like, For all we know, me, like, that may be why VA currently is still with the team. But obviously, I, I my obviously our hope, and I'm sure for many others, Alouettes fans, is that VA stays with us for the rest of the, for the rest of the season. Yeah, because I mean, I'm sorry to say, but Trevor Harris is still not winning football games. He's won one, and had very little to do with it. I mean, that's unfortunately seems to be the uh, the running theme for the the career of Trevor Harris is along for the ride. Right. By the way, uh, here's an interesting stat that, that that was in this this week's CFL notes. Trevor is a 500 quarterback. In his career, 
he is, I think, 80. I'll check it again, but I think he's like 80, he's 80 something. He's like 40 something, 40 something, and two. And he's 500 on the road and at home in his career. Well, he's currently two and five as an Alouette starter in the regular season. Should be two, two and six and, if should, you count. Should be two and six. Yes, should be two and six. I was going to say, if you count playoff games, then two and six. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to say that one where Vernon was pulled, even though VA got the loss on that one, should be still be Trevor who gets the loss on that one. Well, I mean, that's something you'll have to argue with, about that with the CFL stats people, but uh, hey, you're, not wrong, you're, you're not wrong in that sense. Hey, right? I'll take an asterisk. Remember, remember, Cliff, in baseball, you can pitch for th- you can pitch three innings, even in the middle of the game, and you can still get you can still get a save. In this case, Trevor played more than th- two thirds of the game. You should still be eligible for a loss. Yes, I I'm not disagreeing with you on that. All this to say that for for whatever reason. The Alouettes are still very bullish about Trevor Harris as the leader. They clearly see something that the rest of us just can't. The fact that you've got Vernon Adams on the sidelines, ready to go. And you're not even going to entertain the notion. And again, like when you're up 31 to 12, one could make the argument, okay, well, things are fine. Things, even, though, even, if, even if Trevor isn't responsible for all 31 of those points, he's it looked like he was steering the ship in the right direction. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you could even make the argument that it was pretty much the defense that blew the game for the Alouettes. But again, the mistakes that Trevor made definitely led to points on the board for the Elks. Exactly. Here it is, by the way. So Trevor's made 84 career starts at quarterback with four different clubs. And his record isn't even an exact, even 41, 41 and two. He is 20, 20, he is 20, 20 and one at home. 21, 21, and 1 on the road. But, listen to this one. His first 68 starts, he was 37, 29, and 2. Since then, Cliff, in his last 16, he's 4 and 12. Uh, let's, let, again, numbers don't lie, folks. I mean, take a look at the Vernon Adams numbers, which I'm sure are a lot better than the ones that you just mentioned, Tim. Yeah. I mean, listen. What... what if you think we can get less in a trade for Vernon Adams, you'd be crazy. I mean, it's just, quite frankly, if you're going to trade a Vernon Adams, which I still think is not the move to be made, and the fact that it hasn't happened yet, I'm sure is pretty telling as well. I can't help but wonder if maybe now the leash is finally getting shortened just a little bit on uh, on Trevor Harris. I mean, if he goes and lays another egg in Ottawa, of all places, a place where he actually did find some success once upon a time. Uh, I mean, if he goes in there and turns out another stinker and pretty much gives the Red Blacks their first win of the season, mm-hmm. at, at, at what point, like, what what really truly is it going to take for Machocha to go back to Vernon Adams Jr.? Like, this know. is, this... It took, I mean, le- t- took less for VA, you know, two, uh, just two for four. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I didn't even throw a pick in that. Like, I mean, wow. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, let's let's you know we understand what's it, but it, we will see what happens, and we'll talk about Ottawa here in a couple of minutes. Um, no, I think, uh, but when it comes to like trading Vernon Adams Jr., I'm not saying it's not going to happen. 
I think it would be incredibly short-sighted and unfortunate if it does happen, but I mean, the Elwets cannot give him away. Quite frankly, they, they really can't. No. I mean, based on the performance of Trevor Harris, from what we've seen, like, if this is a pride thing for Danny Machocha, because he, he's clearly made no bones about the fact that he thinks Trevor Harris is the guy that's going to lead this team to the promised land. Mm-hmm. But nothing we've seen so far, since it, basically his entire career as a Montreal Alouette, there is nothing literally nothing that we have seen that would suggest that he is capable of doing that. Vernon Adams, on the other hand, has proven himself. He's made mistakes. Don't get me wrong. He He's he's turned in a couple of stinkers himself, but mm-hmm. I, I truly think the, the benefits far outweigh the drawbacks. Yeah, for to, sure. Um, to say that the juice is worth the squeeze when it comes to VA, I think is a fairly accurate statement. Yeah, he's going to make mistakes. Yeah, he's going to maybe overthink things like he's, he's he's not perfect by any stretch but i still think when it comes to winning he does know how to win and he's proven it like he's had of the many 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 quarterbacks and thanks to david arsenal for this stat of the many quarterbacks that have started under center for the alouettes since anthony calvillo's last football game back in 2013 he currently holds the best record of all those quarterbacks and let me tell you something <laughs> folks that's a long ass list, and it is. there have been some real doozies on that list. But VA is the top quarterback. Fun fact: Do you know who else? Who you know who is second in wins as a Montreal Alouette as a quarterback despite uh, uh, since twenty thirteen? I remember seeing it, but I don't remember it off the top of my head who was it. Jonathan Crompton. Yes. Hey, he went. He went on that run. He did, and again, like the Alouettes. When they find a good quarterback, you gotta believe in them. But this this notion of hanging on to these quarterbacks who just can't get the job done, I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't get it. And uh, quite frankly, I think this Thursday, Trevor Harris is really truly going to have to play the game of his life because if he falters, I mean, how do you ignore that? How do you ignore that the noise that's going to come out from that and? Knowing full well you've got a superstar caliber quarterback that you're holding, paying for, <laughs> that you're paying for, yes, and you 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 got him holding kicks for the for the field goal kicker for crying out loud. Yeah, no, I know. Like that's the best you can do with this guy. Yeah. You're paying this guy half a million dollars to hold the friggin' football. I'm sorry, that's the uh, I I'm sorry. I make it make sense. Explain it to me like I'm five years old. That's mm. all I wanted. Just make it make sense. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's get away from this and uh, try to talk about some, some positive stuff. What was, you know, the, uh, the 2002 Grey Cup champions were, uh, were remembered at halftime and, and, and at different times during this game, actually, uh, uh, great setup pregame where you had all the guys, uh, you know, right next to the Grey Cup where you could take a picture of the Grey Cup or you could, uh, get uh, some autographs from some of these guys, you know, I think at halftime. Uh, also, post game too on the field. Um, what, what this was a, I think it was done very, very well. Uh, it was fitting that it was versus Edmonton. Uh, obviously, it wasn't the same result, but you know, even though it wasn't, a, it wasn't as many as I had wished that it would have been to the players that had showed up. They were still a ton, and it was still a, a great, great thing to see. Yeah, it was really cool. Obviously, AC couldn't be a part of the the festivities because, well, he's a coach now <laughs> with the Alouettes. But uh, seeing some of the legends like uh, Zumo KK, mm-hmm. uh, Pat Woodcock, mm-hmm. uh, 
Scott Flory, who's looking fantastic. Yeah, no kidding, that, eh? <laughs> wow. I mean, he was he was a big boy back in the day. Like, not I wouldn't call him fat, but I mean, like he was thick, as they say, mm-hmm. with three C's. But uh, you know, he's he's slimmed down, and he's now doing a great job coaching for the University of Saskatchewan. And uh, yeah, it was definitely great to see him as well. And of course, how do you forget the great Ben Cahoon mm-hmm. back in Montreal again? Yep. What 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 a treat! I mean, that's yep. that was amazing. And Jim Pop too. We so, got yeah. to see. Yeah, we, we got, got to say hello to Jim Pop as yeah, well. Exactly. Yeah, while we were waiting in line to take pictures with the Grey Cup. Yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. I mean, he's doing his thing with the USFL, and uh, you know that that just got wrapped up, and you could tell that he was very proud and very excited about what's to come with that league. So, I mean, kudos to him for doing what he did there, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just awesome to see him back in Montreal. Like it just. You know, just looked great. I mean, it was definitely in that sense, like being able to remember that great cup. Like, I mean, go back 20 years and that was technically the first great cup. Our, that was a great cup win of our, our first great cup win of our generation. It's true. Yeah. When you, when you really think about it, like since 96, mm-hmm. the return, that was the first great cup win. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And I, I again, it was, it was a, a I hope the Alouettes continue to do this this type of stuff. I know the the next thing that they got coming up is, and I'll mention this in a few weeks, anyways, is it's the whiteout game versus Winnipeg, and I'm still I already have my hand in my hand in my head for that thing, but we'll go into that in a couple of weeks. Uh, people remember a couple of years back, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, but also, one other thing that the Alouettes did, and I understand that they are obviously we are a team, we are Quebec's team. You know, we are a team that is based in Montreal. We're based in Quebec. You know, we're we're trying to uh, to cater, obviously, to not only to Montreal but to the province. Um, but what was your thought on this? You know, the Alouettes announced during the game, Cliff, that they that the Alouettes signed. Um, you know, they signed they a, sign. a huh? They didn't sign. Sorry, sorry, didn't sign, but they traded for the rights. Thank you for the correction. Traded for the rights. So offensive lineman Laurent Duvernay Tardif, M- MD, um, <laughs> yes, Dr. Larry, um, Dr. Larry. But you know, I, you know, it was during the game. I understand. You know, trying to create some buzz, create some press. But then when you actually look at the actual, you know, the, you know, they they got his rights from Calgary, and what did Montreal send in, in uh, exchange to well two conditional picks. And these, this is this is where one of the few things that I have I have an issue with. Um, they so if if he signs with the Alouettes or any other CFL team in 2022 or any subsequent season, Montreal will send its second round pick to Calgary. Also, the Stampeders would have the option to swap their first round picks in the subsequent draft if the Alouettes pick is higher than that of the Stampeders. If Montreal does not have a first-round pick that uh, the the following season, Calgary would retain this right for the following season. Okay, I understand. It's great, you know, to have a, a a guy as popular as he is playing the NFL, win a Super Bowl, uh, to be able to continue to take a year off during the pandemic to you know away from football. Um to do what he's been trained to do to me i'm sorry to me this just seems like a pr stunt for in my opinion a player who will never 
player down, not in the CFL or with the Alouettes. I wholeheartedly agree. And even in that in the press release, the one thing they talked about was general manager Danny Machocha mentioning that if he were to if Laurent Drouvenet Tardif were to ever play for the Alouettes, he would be allowed to have the MD on the back of his jersey, which was a, a sticking well, not necessarily a sticking point, but it was something that uh, Laurent had petitioned the NFL for when he got his doctorate <clears throat> was to have the to be able to put MD next to his name on the back of his jersey with the Kansas City Chiefs, and the league basically told him no. Not you're not allowed. Yeah. To to me, what's the difference now between you know now we have players who have senior, junior, the third, fourth, fifth, whatever. What's mm-hmm. the difference? Yeah. What is the difference? I Wait. mean, the like being a doctor is not exactly easy. I mean, it's not like where he's asking to put Esquire ESQ on the back of his of his uniform. Yeah, and the Lord knows there's a lot of uh, CFL players who graduated from law school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're telling me Marco Olivier Bruya wouldn't have liked to have had Esquire on the back of his jersey to announce that fact? I'm sure he would have if they would have let him. But I mean, to, to celebrate someone like uh, Laurent Duvenet Tardif and the fact that you know, like be, as I said, becoming a doctor is not easy, especially at McGill of all places. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a very tough medical school. Uh, I mean, you know, why wouldn't you want to celebrate that? So, but again, it's the reason why they call it the No Fun League, right? But the <laughs> yeah. fact, the fact that they they felt the, the need to put this in the press release that if Laurent Duvernay Tardif ever decides to play for his hometown team, he would be allowed to have MD on there. Like, you really think he's going? Oh well, that just seals the deal for me right there. I'll sign with the Alouettes tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Never mind being a doctor. Never mind trying to go and win another Super Bowl. No, 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 no. I need. I want no. I need that MD on the back of my jersey. I mean, never mind that Duvernay Tardif is long as it is very long already, and now somehow you're going to cram MD in there, like unless you're going to make the letters like two inches, like or not no two centimeters tall. I mean, that, yeah. Again, it, it, it's like you said. This is strictly a PR move and nothing more. The fact that you made this trade, and the fact that it was being announced during the game itself. I'm not saying it took away from the game, but obviously it drew a lot of attention. And to what end is what I want to know. Like, if this was such an important thing to do, why not do it before the game or after the game or during the week or something? Like, like the timing of it was so bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, it takes away from, you know, the... The nice moment that they gave for Guy Lafleur, um, it takes away from the you know celebrating the anniversary of the twenty uh, of the two thousand and two Grey Cup champs. It, it could have been done. It could have been done a hell of a lot better. It could have been done not at all. You know, I mean, it, it's it, wait wait till next game. You know what I mean? It's again. Sure. It, this is a PR stunt where, yeah, and we've seen you know I understand why teams do PR stunts but I've never known the Alouettes to have to pull something off like this I don't in the 25 years that I've been a season ticket holder I can't remember off the top of my head uh, never mind yes I can um <laughs> I think hard Tim you can I'm pretty I, sure you can I can Michael Sam being one Johnny Manziel Johnny Manziel but but during a game I don't remember them doing this. That's that's where I was trying to go. Is I don't remember them ever doing this during a game. During a game, no. I'll give you that. That's it's definitely a first. And that's is that really something you really want to be a first of? Like, is that really what you want to make your debut at? Yeah. Like, 
And also, too, and again, folks, I don't want to fold, necessarily throw cold water on it. I mean, it's cool and all that, you know, the Yellowettes secured his rights. I mean, if that's really what makes you happy, that's that's awesome to have, my, you know, to may basically occupy a, a negless spot. Like, if that, you know, really floats your boat, that's great. But I can tell you right now, uh, and this was uh, actually brought to my attention in La Presse, they actually did an interview with him. And the one thing he said he was focusing on right now was his medical career, like actually being the doctor that he is. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you were to go back to football, his goal would be to win a Super Bowl. So I'm sorry to say, folks, the likelihood of Laurent Duvernay-Tardif coming to the CFL and playing for the Montreal Alouettes or even any other CFL team, the odds are not good. Yeah, slim to none, in our opinion. And, and whoop, whoop, there, there, there goes slim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I liked him. Um this week, as I said, as I, as I sort of jokingly hinted at the beginning before, you actually had a pretty cool um, uh, an opportunity to, to do this week where, you know, if, for the many of you who may remember that the Alouettes, after every home game, are doing a Sanka set uh, at a local restaurant where uh, players and, and uh, either Danny Mack or, or Mario Ticini or... or whomever may come to the game, you know, come to this uh, event and you can talk to them and along with players, you had that opportunity. And I'm, I'm curious because this is actually the first I've heard you're, you're going to be able to talk about it with me hearing about it. But uh, t- tell us about this opportunity. I, it seemed pretty cool from the video that I saw online. Yeah, no, it was, it was really cool. Like they, uh, again, the, I don't know what the order is or how, how it goes about how random it actually is. But uh, I was notified by the Alouettes that I was invited to this uh, Sanka set or happy hour for the rest of North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, invited to come and, uh, you know, meet with a couple of the players and uh, a couple of the officials from the Alouettes themselves and just, you know, come have a beer with the, with the guys and, uh, you know, shoot the breeze. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. So, I was excited. I was kind of hoping they would have like a plus one situation because I certainly would have invited you, Tim, sure, even though sure. you were head, heading out to the, the beautiful mountains of Mont Tremblant. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I went and uh, it was kind of funny, though. The, they actually had it at uh, the, the Casual Spa or sorry, the Le Cage, as it's now known, uh, you know, not not too far from my work, actually. So, I mean, it worked out even better than expected. Like, like I'm like a hop, skip and a jump away. So I. Waltzed in, and sure enough, uh, there was William Stambeck, uh, Gino Lewis, and Jake Winecki, along with uh, Christophe Norman and uh, Francis Chagnon of the team. Really cool to see those guys. Uh, you know, I, I've certainly met uh, Stambeck, Gino, and uh, Winecki a number of times, but you know, still nice to be able to see them and you know, say hello and see how they're doing and all that. Especially Stambeck, seeing as how he's you know still doing his rehab from his uh, ankle injury, and we got to talk about that a little bit. I won't divulge too many details but uh yeah uh he it was it was a tough slog for him i mean he had a surgery and he's uh he says he's feeling a lot better and if all goes well he may be able to get out of his uh his cast in a couple of weeks and just keep on rehabbing i mean like he's still hopeful to get back on the field at some point this year but i mean he's you can tell he's chomping at the bit like i mean he's he's still working out as much as he can like a lot of his upper body and everything like that he's he's working on that but he said like i can feel it i can like i feel my leg uh like the injured leg i can feel that starting to kind of atrophy a little bit oh, so boy. Uh, oh boy oh boy you 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 know that he's just He's doing his best. He's trying to stay positive as much as possible. But you can tell, like he he just wants to be on the field so bad, 
and it's it's got to be tearing them up inside. And at that point, what could you do? Like, you know, just tell them, listen, like, you know, we got your back. Uh, you know, we believe in you still. And, you know, just just heal up. That's all. That's all that matters. Just get yourself healthy. And you'll be back before you know it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what else can you say at that point? And I talk, talk to VA about that hyperbaric chamber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Um, did they, I, did, any giveaways and stuff like that? I mean, anybody else from yeah, that actually, you're able uh, to speak with and any other tidbits? Yeah, actually, uh, they did uh, have a draw for uh, two jerseys. Uh, I think it was uh, Norman and Steinbeck's jersey was, were being drawn. Cool. I did not. I did not win either one, but that's that's fine. Uh, but yeah, it seemed like all the fans had a really nice time. Like so the, the team, you know, buys you a drink, and uh, there were some, uh, you know, hors d'oeuvres to be enjoyed as well, and just be able to sit and rap with these guys and just have, you know, just a relaxed atmosphere. And it, it was just great. I mean, it was really cool. Uh, if you ever get invited to this, folks, like if you're a season ticket holder for the Alouettes and you get invited to one of these. I strongly recommend you go. And Mario Cicini was there. Got to talk with him a little bit more. And and that uh, I'd asked like if Danny Machocha was going to be in. And um, pretty much they said that now that he's sort of doing double duties as coach and GM, they kind of wanted him focusing more on that, which I can appreciate and respect. I mean, that's, you know, especially to, uh, I'm sure like a lot of fans, like no matter how big of a fan you are, I mean, I'm sure if you saw Danny Machocha, your first question to him would be, what the hell happened this past Thursday against the Elks? <laughs> what was that? So maybe I, I think Mario was just kind of maybe trying to save face a little bit. If that's the case, that's fine. I, I completely respect that. Also, uh, our man Joey Alfieri was there. He was kind of the MC of the the event, if you will. Cool. And as always, doing a great job just getting things out on social media and you know, being able to sit and talk with him, always a treat. I mean, we... We've got a pretty good rapport, him and I. I mean, we we go back many, many years, and you know, we just we love busting each other's chops on this, that, and the other. But uh, you know, it was, it was good to sit and talk with him a little bit about uh, his transition over from the radio station to now basically the social media guy, if you will, for the Alouettes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you can just tell he's absolutely in love with the role, and it it suits him to a T. I mean, he's. You can tell he's focused and he wants to put out the best product possible. He wants to put out that great content for the team and really help sell the Alouettes to the rest of the world. And, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that he's doing a bang up job where that's concerned. And, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to give him the respect for that. And again, if we'll always have that fun, playful banter, that's just that's just the way we are. I mean, like, yeah, like, I got a great I, yeah, I got a taste of that. I got a taste of that post game when we were on the field when we were seeing Joey. You know, when I think almost everybody was gone, and by the way, that was so surreal that being at Percival Molson at midnight with just talking to people with <laughs> nobody else on the field, it was just like. That's a unique experience, but I got a I got a hint of uh, the banter between uh, between you and two. I thought it was pretty cool. It is. I, I'm I'm so glad we have that. I mean, you, you got to have fun with it, and that's the thing. At the end of the day, we're we're all looking for the same thing. We want the Alouettes to be successful on and off the field, and there's no question in my mind. Regardless of what happens on the field, you know that Joey is doing everything he can to help make the Alouettes a success off the field, Agreed. and you know definitely deserves all the flowers for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, by the way, we want to thank everybody who happened to listen to last week's episode or the special episode that we had with uh, Alouette's owner, Gary Stern. Um, yeah, we've gotten a lot of great feedback on it. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, if you haven't listened to it yet, please go back and check in our archives. It's over at alouette'sflightdeck.ca. 
Yeah, now we just got to find a way to get Gary to follow us on the uh, on the flight deck account. There you go, sir. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he's he's following uh, you know quite a few uh, media types, and I, I think we're we're in that that camp. And I think we did an excellent job talking with him. Like it sounded like he had a blast with us, and yeah. you know, he was making the rounds with other podcasts uh, in the CFL, and that's great. I mean, like he's getting the exposure, and he's just letting people know his side of the story, which is always amazing. But yeah, folks, if you have not already. Definitely go check out the interview we had with him. It was a blast. I mean, it, the time flew right by. Yeah, yeah. For and forty-five minutes, man, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't and, believe and, it. And the con- like, we we got so much out of him. Like, we learned so much. It, it, it was incredible, and it just felt like you know, like we're just having you know, just sitting there and having a chat with our buddy. Like, he could just have easily been one of the fans at that Sankit set that uh, I was at, mm-hmm. just sitting around, you know, shooting the breeze, have a beer, talking about football kind of thing. Like that's, that was the, the vibe I got off of him right away. Like throughout the entire interview it was just, you know, just you're sitting there talking with a friend. He just happens to own a football team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, which is so cool. And he just happens it? to own your favorite football team. Exactly. Like, like you know, no big deal. <laughs> no, nah, no, no big deal at all. A uh, reminder that uh, we will be giving away the next pair of the Sport Buff Flight Crew seats in two weeks. It'll be the uh, approximately the weekend of the game versus uh, Winnipeg. It'll be for the next game, obviously. Um, yeah, because we play them back to back. So yeah, it'll be the game that we play them. I think I'm right there, Cliff. Uh, the week that we play them in Winnipeg. First. Uh, no, no, am I, I wrong? Oh no, I'm thinking it's week one. So it's the game versus Hamilton. It'll that's be week, right. The week of Hamilton. Sorry, uh, that I will be that we will be putting that stuff out on social media so you can win a pair of tickets to go see the Alouettes play the defending two-time Grey Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers first and currently undefeated as yes. of this taping. Yes. Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah. And f- this is this is the the whiteout game. And <laughs> Anyways, we'll talk about that more in a couple of weeks. But yeah, mm-hmm. p- please stay tuned to all of our socials uh, for when that it comes about. But we'll remind you next week, too, so don't worry about it. Um, game versus Ottawa this week, Cliff. Uh, we go in again. We're 1-4. and four. Um, Could easily be something else, but we're also going up against a, an Ottawa team that is now 0-5 without Jeremiah Mazzoli. Uh, at one point this week, by the way, Nick Arbuckle was placed on injured, but now is, he is on the active roster. I was like, I was like, Poor, poor Arbuckle. That's so fitting, but I'm glad to see he's actually active. Um, we've had a few minor changes and additions to the defense this week, which uh, are hopefully will allow the Alouettes to uh, uh, come out on top this week. Yeah, actually, uh, I'm pleasantly surprised to see uh, Tyrell Richards is now going to be the starting weak side linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Micah Ah, who the Alouettes acquired uh, close to two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, pretty much on the same day where Kahari Jones and Baron Miles were shown the door was the same day that they acquired Micah Ah. He's now going to be starting at middle linebacker, and we're very happy to have Darius Pickett back in the lineup. Yep, he was he, he missed the last couple of games uh, due to injury, but uh, we're glad to see him back because when he's on, he is definitely on and is definitely a force to be reckoned with. So I think that's going to really help this defense out considerably. Uh, also happy to see Brock Gowanlock will be backing up uh, Avery Ellis uh, on the defensive line. Yes, his sir. Pres- his presence is definitely going to be appreciated because given the chance, this guy is going to have a breakout game. And if he wants to do it this Thursday against the, the Red Blacks, I'm all for it because we, we saw what this guy can do in the preseason. And 
th- this is a caged beast waiting to explode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for sure. It's, it's good to have these guys back. And I think there was a comment made already by uh, either by Coach um, uh, Machocho or it was by Noel Thorpe. They're talking about how well uh, Pickett knows the defense and it should be a plus for the defense itself being, with him being able to come back. So uh, hopefully that's a plus because, you know, the Owls, they got to stop this Jekyll and Hyde thing when it comes to p- penalties each week. Uh, each and other week, it's just very frustrating. So if they can get back to their normal close to zero penalties i'll be happy um and we just need to score 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 again so it's don't take anything for granted the Owls have done this before when it comes to teams in ottawa don't take this no matter what your record is don't take a team for granted and that's what the Owls can't do two weeks in a row right and also too do you really want to be known as the team that got the ottawa red blacks off the schneid mm-hmm. i mean think about last year tim the season finale at home, like the home finale last year was against the Ottawa Red Blacks, a game that Montreal could have won, but let it slip through their fingers. And thanks to that, the, 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 the Red Blacks were able to be three and 15 or sorry, three and, uh, three and 11, I should say. Yeah. This is a shortened season, <laughs> but yeah, they got three wins that year. And one of them was again, like the Alouettes could have swept the Red Blacks in four games and they didn't because of that. Now, do you really want to be responsible for being the one of their one and five if it comes to that? Sure, exactly. So, I mean, Montreal, I, I won't say this is a must win for Montreal, but in a sense it is because they too have got to get themselves, they got to get their act together. There, there's, it's a, a, only a two game losing streak, but at the same time, there's so much to be proven. Like, you really got to show that this is the team. Like, you got to show that the decisions that were made to change the coaching staff were valid and justified. The only way you're going to do that is win football games, though. And Montreal really, truly has to find a way to win this game. Yep, I there's, agree. there's, you know, there's no style points. There's, you know, you don't get an extra favor because you let the Ottawa Red Blacks get their first win of the season. You know, like they're motivated too. Don't don't get me wrong. And Ottawa has not really played very bad football. No, they they've been very unlucky in a lot of things. Uh, I think they've had victory kind of slip through their fingers as well. But tell you the truth, I mean, especially over the past couple of weeks, Ottawa's looked like a better team than Montreal as far as ability to be competitive. And I, I won't say close out because again, they still haven't won a game. But Ottawa's looked a lot better losing than what the Alouettes have. That's simply yeah. put, like it, it just feels like okay, if one or two more things kind of fall into place, we can finally get that W. Like I really think that's consensus in in Ottawa right now, and Montreal's just got to find a way. Like they just got to they got they got to punch them in the throat and keep it up. And they were doing a decent job of that against Edmonton. They just let them back in the game. Mm-hmm. That's the frustrating part. Like the fact that they blew a nineteen point lead is is uh, you know it's it's so tough to comprehend. Like they were looking so dominant in the first half against Edmonton, and if they go, they roar out to a, a commanding lead against Ottawa in the first half, and then just let the team back in again. There's going to be so many questions asked, and especially too if Trevor Harris really, truly, he's got to have a phenomenal game. And none of this BS about uh, well, his stats are nice. I don't give a flying f- <laughs> if his stats are nice. Quite frankly, I want to see Trevor Harris live up to all of this hype that's around him. I want to I want to be able to ju- have Danny Machoch justify 
keep going back to this well because if not, how do you not have Vernon Adams come in? And not, I'm not done talking about in garbage time when the game's already out of reach and you're just throwing him a, a you know a little pity you know rep or two. Like no, no, you you can't do that to him. Like it's it's you you slapped him in the face enough as far as I'm concerned. It's enough already. Like if Trevor Harris isn't getting the job done, swallow your pride, go to number three and say, yo, get us this win, please. And you know what? I bet you he will. I bet you he would. If if the chips were down, you let VA do his thing, he'd find a way to win the game. That's really that's just his style. Or go down to flames. I mean, <laughs> that's just how he is. He's he's high risk, high reward. That's really how what, what kind of quarterback he is. Trevor Harris. The only thing he's proven so far is that he can get you to the red zone. And then someone else will have to do the, the rest of the work. So that's got to change. It, it really, truly has to change. Yeah. I, no more of this, this pad statting nonsense. Trevor Harris has to step up and be the quarterback that Danny Machocha thinks he is. Yeah. Simply put. I agree. Um, but what is that? I, haven't, I was trying to look for the line. What is the line? Have you seen it yet? I think Montreal's favored by four. Okay. So, okay. Which is funny because that usually feels like the, 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 the home points, but yeah, no kidding. Exactly. I know. <laughs> um, and surprise, surprise everybody, by the way, if you are an Owls fan or you're a Red Blacks fan, either way, uh, Cliff and I are making the trip We're we're, we're making our presence felt again in the capital. I will say that, in 2021, the Alouettes were undefeated when we were in the in attendance at TD Place. So, will that trend continue in 2022? Only one way to find out. Yep. Stay, stay tuned to our socials, and we'll let you know where we're going to be. So, yeah. So, I, again, it, it obviously for us, it's just, we we this is the a, a must win. Uh, we don't have to worry about first place. You know, we're not going to be end up in first place. We, we you know we may be tied, but it won't be in. But so it's again. This is a, a, to me. This still is a must-win game. It's either a difference between potentially tied for first or last place, with Ottawa having the upper hand if we are at one and five. So I'll leave it. That's at That's that. really what it comes down to. I mean, I mean, it's it's still young. Like there's, there's still a lot of time left, but at the same time, that's not going to fly excuse wise. Like you, you've got all this talent on this team. We keep talking about how this team is talented, more talented and, you know, is a lot better than what the record indicates, Mm -hmm. but really, truly that that's all it is. It's just talk us trying to pump their tires and they got to start living up to their end of the bargain, quite frankly. Exactly. You know what? We keep talking about how good this defense is. We keep talking about how many weapons there are. That's all well and good, but at the end of the day, they need to execute, and they haven't been doing that lately. They got to figure out. I sincerely hope that in practice this week, they get it figured out. That they they find a way to you know get that discipline to stop taking so many stupid penalties, stop giving the opponents yardage, you know, due to these penalties, and just find a way to score consistently and keep the other team off the scoreboard. Exactly. And they do that. Then they'll walk out of Ottawa with a W. Yep. I and mean, you know what? We'll leave it with that because I said just make a, 
uh, look for us on social media. Um, we do appreciate you guys as usual for, for joining us each week. Um, these Thursday the games are killer. Um, <laughs> Y'all went to the Kings of Thursday night, right? Ooh, it's King of something. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So Cliffy, I will see you very, very shortly in the next 12, uh, 12 plus hours or so as we head off, off to Ottawa, a little bit, a little bit more than that, but still, um, but again, join us next week as we talk about the, the, the matchup versus the red blacks and our next opponent against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Ron, final approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.